0: Cool. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. Um, this is Melissa Treewasser, joined once again by Anthony North tonight. We are going over the third region of the Frogs of War Best Moments bracket. It has been a lot of fun, uh, starting off with the Patterson region and the Twitter vote there. We did the Schlossnagel region, um, and and saw some votes come in that direction. We're on to region number three, which is the Dixon region. And this one has um, a lot of underappreciated um, and, and a lot of kind of big regular season moments, but it's light on the the postseason opportunities. And so I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for some prime upsets um, in this particular side of the bracket. And so I'm excited to dive in um, and, and to keep talking and, and walking down memory lane. Anthony, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing great. Uh... Full, I guess we're half a week in on the uh, the full work from home lockdown, so uh, you know, not haven't gotten stir crazy yet, but uh, this is this has been fun. Looking forward to getting into this region.
0: Yeah, it's it's really nice to get to uh, to, to remember some of these really really great moments um, back in uh, as we kind of live through this time of. Being without live sports, it's, it's definitely nice to have something to talk about in the athletics realm. So uh, that being said, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, we've uh, started with the one seed all week, the one versus 16 matchup. So why don't we continue that this evening? And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about one of the most iconic moments uh, in TCU athletics history, one of my favorite moments, and then a moment that neither of us were alive for. But uh, is, is kind of represents the relevancy of TCU basketball prior to the Jamie Dixon era. And so our number one seed in this bracket is the Matt Curry Grand Slam in the College World Series over Florida State. And it is taking on the number 16 seed, which is uh, men's basketball beating Baylor to win the Southwest Conference title back in 1968. Anthony, I'll give you uh, first choice on this.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll try to take on the basketball one. Obviously, I was not around for this, but um, I've, I've done a little Googling um, to, to try to uh, catch up on, on my uh, 1960s basketball history here uh, for TCU. But um, yeah, the 16 seed here, so it's it's going to be in a tough matchup to against one of the, the all-timers. But um, yeah, we talked in the last region about kind of the big deal of what it meant to, to win the Southwest Conference uh, with the Jamie Dixon shot and um, so for for this team here back in 1968 to win it um, also a big deal close the season with uh, with three straight wins and in, including this final win over Baylor to actually secure the uh, the regular season um, conference championship so this this team did uh, a lot of big things went on to, to win a game in the NCAA tournament, um, eventually losing to one seed Houston. But um, I, I hope my research on this was right, but looking into this team um, a bit more, this, this particular team is more notable than beating Baylor, or winning a conference title, or um, any kind of national success. Um, this was the first TCU basketball team to be racially integrated uh, so that alone is a is a moment to be celebrated. So to get that team into the bracket, um, it w- was important and um, something to celebrate here.
0: Yeah, it's it's a obviously a huge moment, a huge opportunity, um, or a huge uh, a huge accomplishment for TCU basketball. But going up against the Matt Curry College World Series Grand Slam, um, I, I have a feeling this one is going to be a runaway, unfortunately, for TCU basketball. Um, and that Southwest Conference Championship team. Um, I, I will never forget where I was. I was driving from Sacramento to San Francisco um, in my car. I was living in California at the time, and I was listening to the College World Series on the radio. It was, it was the first year that the Frogs had made, uh, made it to Omaha. It was, it was the dawn of, of one of the greatest runs in, in college baseball history of uh, you know, going making that appearance and then having the four straight a couple years later. Um, and, and Matt Curry was the, uh, the, not the unlikely, the likely hero in that moment. Uh, the Frogs, you know, beat Texas. We talked about that yesterday um, on the podcast, make it to Omaha. They're facing a really, really good Florida state team. Um, and Matt Curry comes up with the bases loaded, um, uh, has, has an opportunity. The, the Frogs are, are chain, are, uh, trailing in the moment, um, and, it's in the old Rosenblatt Stadium. The only time the frogs got a chance to play in in Ro- Rosenblatt, uh, one of the it, it got listed as one of the most electrifying moments of the history, the long, long history of of that season. Um, and and so when he comes up um, with two outs in the top of the eighth inning, uh, down three runs. This was the, an elimination game on their side of the bracket. The frogs had lost at the opener and were in the losers bracket. Uh, and Florida State, obviously one of the most decorated programs in college baseball history. And uh, Curry comes up, bases loaded, um, two outs. Jason Coates had just uh, managed to, to draw a full-count walk of the batter before, and uh, he hits a ball that you just knew off the bat that that ball was gone. And, and I was driving down... Highway 80, um, in, in Northern California and listening to it, between the static as the radio stations, I kept having to change to find the call, uh, and just fist pumping and screaming and like pounding the steering wheel for probably a solid three minutes. And the people driving by me must've thought I had absolutely lost my damn mind. Um, and I had because, uh, seeing, hearing TC when, uh, in Omaha, in Rosenblatt Stadium, in a, in a do-or-die game opportunity. Uh, definitely one of the greatest moments in TCU baseball history and uh, one of the most memorable moments for fans as well. So going to be really, really hard to top that one. Um, that's a really strong number one seed um, overall and uh, just, just one of the enduring memories of the TCU baseball program and TCU athletics as a whole.
1: Yeah, certainly the the worthy number one seed, and and you said off the bat, literally off the bat, uh, the the sound that it makes. You just knew uh, the the sound in the stadium, the kind of celebration uh, as uh, right out of the batter's box. Yeah, is it was, is it was really exciting, and it's the kind of moment that uh, pretty much anyone who ever picks up a baseball bat would dream of uh, to stand up there with the bases loaded and in, in Omaha, um, and and. Uh, just to, to bring back to uh, where we were and what was happening at this time. So it's maybe the most magical sports day uh, of all time. So earlier that day, uh, the U.S. men's national team was playing in the World Cup, uh, the the Algeria wow. game, um, where Landon Donovan scores in the 90th minute. Um, and that that puts, uh, puts the Yanks into the next stage of the World Cup that is uh, – quite a rarity for uh for that squad so that was the you could not write a script like this uh, announcer for that for that uh soccer play and and that applies to this uh massive bomb from matt curry in omaha as well
0: that, yeah, that's that's great. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask to take first choice here on the next two seeds because I have, I have a very um, personal connection to both of them. Uh, their next There's our number two and our number 15 matchup. Um, one of my favorite moments, but I'm going to let you talk about the Josh Dawson one-handed catch against Minnesota back in 2014. And I'm going to talk about the underdog moment here Um Anybody that has been reading Frogs of War has listened to the Frogs of War podcast. knows um, that that my family, I have a family connection to Stanford. Uh, my brother in law works in the athletic department there, and so there have been a lot of like odd TCU Stanford matchups since my brother in law started working for for the Cardinal. And I've gone to a lot of Stanford games as well. And so this is we always forget about the home and home uh, that the TCU football had with Stanford back in the, in the middle 2000s and back in 2008 um, in the midst of Hurricane Ike, a, a game that was moved around um, that was pushed back. Uh, the 2008 Horn Frogs took on the Stanford Cardinal, pretty good Stanford Cardinal team um, may have ended up underachieving that season, but let me give you some of the names that played for the, for the Cardinal that day under a uh, certain coach that we're all well aware of uh, Mr. Uh, Jim Harbaugh here. So, Doug Baldwin was a wide receiver, one of the one of the best wide receivers uh, in the NFL for a good period of time. Davita Pritchard, who underachieved a little bit as a, as a quarterback, but had the uh, the big upset over USC a season later. Uh, Richard Sherman, probably have heard of him, uh, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for a good long time. And they also uh, had Toby Gerhardt. If you guys forget about Toby Gerhardt, the, the running back, um, part of their string of Heisman finalists uh, at running back that the Cardinal had. Um, was, was taking handoffs there in the backfield. And so in this stormy, wet, messy game in Fort Worth, um, TCU jumped out to, to a lead, um, got on top early, and then it looked like uh, Stanford was going to tie the game up um, uh, on a punt return, and Doug Baldwin stepped out of bounds um, back at the TCU 13 There was an interception later um, and and ended up sealing it, but one of the biggest moments of that game uh, came when uh, Jason Phillips and Robert Henson, um, and and Robert Henson's a great follow on Twitter, by the way, if you're not following him, um, he's awesome. Uh, Jason Phillips ended up coaching with the Frogs for a little while as well, Um, but they had a a massive fourth down stop um, on fourth and one when the Cardinal were looking to get back in the ball game and had an opportunity to... Uh, to, to make a run and to, to get back in control of what was happening. And, and Henson and Phillips uh, dove down, stopped, I think it was Gerhardt, um, on the carry and stopped him on that fourth and one play and ended up uh, ultimately helping seal a victory for TCU uh, during uh, a pretty successful 2008 season that kind of launched the undefeated regular seasons in 2009. And then, of course, the Rose Bowl victory uh, season later in 2010.
1: Yeah, that, that game was really fun to attend, um, and, and maybe just for me, because at the time I was uh, you know, just a college student, so being there, sitting through a hurricane for a football game no big was, well, was really fun and exciting for me at the time. I'm sure I'd feel different about it as a as an old man today. But um, Hey, you did it in yeah, 2015,
0: so ta- and it was fine, right?
1: <laughs> I, well, that that's true. I did. I made it there and uh, stayed through the end of that one, and that one was cold, so... Um, but to, to yeah to hit on the number two seed here the the Josh Dachson um, crazy one handed leaping catch um, in twenty fourteen against Minnesota uh, not to open the season but the first um, FBS team so opened with uh, with the FCS opener and then had Minnesota uh, back at home the next week and um, this moment uh, this is when we realized. Josh Dachson was different, hmm. and the offense and the season, it was going to be different. Um, we 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 talk a lot about the the 2014 season, and and there'll be and we've already touched on a bunch of these moments already. Um, but this was this was the introduction, uh, the the superhero using his powers for good for the first time. So. Um, my connection at this game, I was I was in the other end zone, so I was not right there um, in person uh, watching this. And my first thought is, oh no, not the fade! Don't run the fade here. <laughs> um, but uh, hashtag ban the fade doesn't apply uh, when it's Josh Doxson, um on the receiving end, and um, it was it was like he had an invisible ladder um, or. Like the behind-the-scenes special effects in in uh, in superhero movies or something, where some, somebody's just kind of being guided through the air, uh, putting him in full Air Jordan, and it was it was really just um, a brilliant introduction to an all-time great Horn Frog, and and one of those. Um, yesterday, I talked about the the photo of Aaron Green scoring that touchdown in Lubbock, and and the photos of. Josh making this catch against Minnesota um, is another one of those. Just like that's it. That's that's the uh, that's the superstar for, for our frogs and um, an enduring moment. And putting it at a, as a two seed, it, it's it might be a little rich. I yeah. think um, I think it'll have some, some real challenges as it gets gets through this bracket. But definitely one of uh, the the introduction to, to one of my all time favorites.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. Um, I think you're right. I think a two seed might be a little bit high for this one, but uh, one of the greatest players to come through TCU, one of the, a fan favorite, you know, a kid who we all remember the story. You know, his mom works at the university. He was a bleacher creature back in and when he was a kid, ended up going to Wyoming, wanted to come back home, be closer to family, and and the former two-star, uh, under-recruited, undervalued player became uh, an all-time great for, for TCU, and All-American in a first-round draft pick, uh, who hopefully is going to get a chance uh, to, to have a little bit of shine in the NFL this year if he can stay healthy. So uh, before we jump into our three seed, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We will be right back. All right, everybody. Uh, we are Anthony North. Melissa Treewasser here. We are talking the best moments bracket of TCU athletics all time. Uh, you can make sure that you check this out in frogsofwar.com. Check it out, Frogs of War Twitter. Cast your votes early and often for for these uh, these matchups here. It's been a lot of fun reliving some of these. We've enjoyed talking about them on the podcast um, and, and of course on the site as well. Uh, we are in the Dixon region. That's region three out of four. Uh, the Peely region will will close this out tomorrow. Um, but but right now we are we are on uh, our three seed and taking on a fourteen seed matchup. Um, once again, I'm going to request first pick here. Um, because I was a student for our three seed I was at the game I was in attendance um and if you talk about my all-time favorite TCU athlete uh you're gonna you know I'm gonna have to think about Desmond Bain I'm gonna have to think about Kenrich Williams I'm gonna th- have to think about Josh Stockson and some of those guys but ultimately you're never gonna top uh the guy that I was in school with and that's Ladanian Tomlinson um I had a couple classes with LT for a while um and just just a a really, really amazing human being who also happened to be really amazing at football and uh, ultimately uh, is given credit for putting TCU football back on the map and and making them into a national power. And so our number three seed, which I think should have been at least the number two seed, is Tomlinson's then uh, college football record setting, 406 yards against UTEP uh, back in 1990, 2000, I think it was the 2000 season. Um, when, when he ran all over the whack, um, I remember, and, and this was just when I was starting at, I, I grew up watching football. I, you know, I, I loved watching football. I went to high school football games, all that kind of thing. But I never really grew a passion for the game until this moment. And every time we'd go to football games, I would sit there and get so frustrated because I don't know if you remember the early, the late nineties, early 2000 CC football program did not throw the football at all. I mean, we would, we would count how many times they ran in a row before someone would throw an Aaron pass. And uh, I remember every game just being like, man, I wish they'd pass the ball. I wish they'd pass the ball until this game. And as they handed off to LaDainian Tomlinson time and time again, I kept saying, don't pass the ball. Don't pass the ball. Just give him the rock every dang time. And did so all the way up um, over the 400-yard mark, mark, uh, breaking the the then college football record, setting setting a new mark for most rushing yards in a single game. Would get uh, broken by one of the Wisconsin running backs just a few short years later. But a record that that stood for a good amount of time um, built into his Heisman campaign that saw him be a finalist in New York and ultimately led to him being a top five draft pick in the NFL by the San Diego Chargers um, on his way to a Hall of Fame career and a NFL all-time great players nomination as well last season. So uh, LT is the GOAT. He's the TCU GOAT. He's the greatest, uh, I, I think, almost inarguably the greatest uh, individual athlete to come through TCU Athletics, probably the most important uh, person to play for TCU football. It's hard to overlook Sammy Baugh, Davey O'Brien, and people like that, but when you think of TCU football, uh, you're going to generally think of Gary Patterson, and you're going to think of Ladanian Tomlinson almost immediately thereafter. And This, this was the game that, that put him on uh, the national radar and made him a household name.
1: Yeah, there's there's no denying the greatness, the the absolute fantastic, uh, and I, I mean, yeah, it, what I, I'm speechless even trying to come up with words to, to talk about LT. I mean, it's he's the TCU football player uh, that that people will go to, um, and so yeah, underrated as a three seed, probably could have swapped it with the two seed here and and been more appropriate. But uh, I'll talk about the fourteen seed that's. Gonna try to take down LT in a TCU bracket. I, I, I don't know how that's gonna go, but um, <laughs> so uh, this this moment, um, the 14 seed is TCU upsetting Kansas at home in 2013, and uh, Garland Green's final seven points to to put it away. Um, obviously, Kansas basketball. We've talked about another upset of Kansas basketball um, in this bracket, and. Uh, that carries, just being Kansas, carries a, a certain weight with it. And this Kansas team was, again, ranked in the top five, top ten, um, and kind of strolled into the old Daniel Meyer Coliseum. Um, and and I, I imagine for a subset of students and, and fans that may have started TCU fandom after the Rose Bowl, but before the, the Boykin years of, of football, that this may be the moment mm-hmm. um, for, for that group of people. Uh, that maybe a small set, but um, this was a, a proper court storming. So, I mean, we, uh, TCU basketball fans did not really have much to cheer for much less to, to storm the court for. I, I remember as a student, I think it was 2007. TCU basketball beat Air Force, and I think they were ranked in the top 15 or something. And uh, it was it was kind of a pitiful court storming. Um, I think it was it was me and about seven other people, and and Super Frog. Uh, so that to to have that kind of a moment for for TCU basketball. Um, wasn't wasn't really on the radar prior to this and and kind of to put you back in in the spot here this was TCU's first season in the Big 12 um I think it was Trent Johnson's first season and so this game kind of at at the time it felt like it could have been a light at the end of the extremely dark and and long tunnel of TCU basketball and uh turned out to be a, a blip on the radar there but um the the other thing that's great about this moment is the, the Bill Self afterwards, mm-hmm. all of his interviews where he he basically equates it to losing to a YMCA squad and that uh, that Kansas team was the worst Kansas team that, that had ever played basketball since the invention of basketball. So um, when, when you can elicit that kind of reaction from an opposing coach, that's that's pretty great as well. It's
0: always fun to see Bill Self whine, always. Um, that brings us to our four thirteen matchup, and I'm gonna let you. I can talk about either of these just in infinitely, but I'm gonna let you take first pick. We have the Boykin flip against Kansas State, another 2014 TCU football season moment, and the Johnny Reiser uh, Sports Center top ten play against Texas to rob uh, the Horns of a home run. Which one do you want to start with?
1: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll jump in on the four seed the. Uh, the hashtag boy can flip here. So I, I think um, we, we talked about the memeable moment of the, the Holgerson high five from the 2015 season. Uh, but this, this play here is, is much more impressive and a much greater impact. Um, and this particular game against Kansas state um, kind of gets lost in the shuffle of the, the 2014 15 run. Um, maybe, maybe it's, Kansas State has fallen off a little since then, and our fan base doesn't really have the animosity towards towards the Wildcats as we do our, our other foes. But um, this was a huge game at the time. I mean, this was number six and number seven facing off. Uh, it was the the blackout in the Carter, primetime, Fox, Gus Johnson on the call. Um, Kansas State had Tyler Lockett, uh, superstar receiver, kick returner who really uh, – tore up the Frogs in this game, and this this was, in the first year of the playoff, this was one of those, almost a play-in game, uh, to, to continue into the conversation going in the, the latter end of the season. Um, and Yeah, so this particular play itself, right after halftime, um, Frogs were driving up 10, And offense was really kind of clicking away first downs. And then then this moment of magic. Um, You you watch the play. I'm not totally certain Uh, if this was a designed uh, quarterback draw play Um, or if Trevon Boykin just kind of improvised this. But uh, hole opened up on – he dropped back, hole opened up and sprinted through the middle of the field. Gets to about the the three-yard line as three Wildcats are – or bearing down on him and he's makes a leap towards the end zone, uh, tucks under for a front flip and ends up in the end zone, absorbing all the contact, holding onto the ball. It's a touchdown. And Gus Johnson, uh, the announcer was, was speechless, had nothing to yell on the play as he normally does. And, um, you know, TCU ended up winning this one and kind of running away and, um, there's, there's another great moment from this game uh, in Aaron Green run where he, he just carves up uh, the Kansas State defense. It's, it's a really awesome play, and he just kind of bounces around and crosses all the way across um, for a long, long touchdown. And that one was kind of the ceiling play uh, ended the game, and, and this one was the, uh, just, just the amazing moment.
0: Yeah, the reverse the field, right? Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely spawned. um, we, We saw him flip a couple more times, but the thing I'll remember, I was at that game as well, the thing I'll remember most about it is when he left his feet, you could almost feel the air getting sucked out of the out of the stadium is all like the entire fan base went, Oh, please God, no, don't be hurt. And when he when he landed and he bounced back up with that big Trayvon Boykin smile, like it was the just the release of energy, uh, was just unbelievable. That that was you're right, a criminally underrated game during that twenty fourteen season that gets lost under so many other memorable moments, but one of the best environments i think we ended up in the student section even though i'm very old that night uh and it was just rowdy and fun and chaotic and it it was a blast it was a great game to attend for sure um i've got a a number 13 seed that i have a feeling um it has no chance uh but it was a, a really really great moment um the 2019 tc baseball season was a little bit on the disappointing side um i think for a lot of different reasons the amount of talent they had the amount of guys they sent to the big leagues um somehow scraped together uh, an opportunity to get in the postseason after missing out the year before, um, and, and did so off of the strength of a couple of really, really critical series wins, one of which was over um, a University of Texas team that when this moment happened in March was expected to be pretty decent. When the season was said and done, uh, they missed the Big 12 tournament. They were, they were so bad. But uh, the Frogs were trailing um, 2 to nothing at the time in the fourth inning, when uh, Zach Zubia, the, the big uh, beefy catcher for Texas, comes to the plate and just hits a rocket shot to dead center field. And it's one of those balls we talked about the Matt Curry Grand Slam. It's one of those balls in the moment that you just go, well, shoot, that one's gone. That's over the fence. And Johnny Reiser, um, one of the, who had probably, probably was the best position player for the Frogs last year, maybe him or, or Jake Gunther would, would be your, your, probably your top two starts tracking that ball and you can see that he's got a beat on it and he's got a chance, but there's no way. This ball is gone. I mean, it, it was just launched. And all of a sudden, Riser goes up and he timed his jump so perfectly, like the kind of play that, that you see happen once a week, maybe in the big leagues, but that you rarely, rarely see at the levels below that. And Riser leaps up, he grabs it, he reaches over the top of the fence, Spider-mans himself up the wall, pulls the, back, the ball back over. Um, and ends up holding on to it as he comes crashing to the ground. And the reaction from the Texas players, the reaction from Zubia at the plate was just like, how the heck did he do it? And you can only you can only tip your cap to him. Ended up being a huge moment, even though it happened in the fourth inning. The Frogs would trail 2 nothing until they, the bottom of the ninth when they would go on to score three runs, ultimately giving them uh, the win and, and helping them earn a series victory over the Longhorns and that really outstanding uh, baseball rivalry between those two programs. So uh, an incredible feat of athleticism, but when it comes to memorable moments, uh, it's going to be really, really hard to top. The boy can flip. Uh, We talk about memorable moments, and I have a feeling we both want to talk about the same game here in this 5-12 matchup. Um, How about this? How about we both give our brief summary of the 12 seed and then um, do you want to talk about the uh, the five seed or do you want me to take that one
1: or you know oh yeah let's let's both I see i th- are you going are you going the other oh, one i want to talk about the cheese it say. bowl
0: i want to talk about the cheese okay, it bowl okay so yeah I'm... <laughs> i mean i like the the I, I have my thoughts on on the 2015 series why don't you lead us off with the five seed and i'll give a little bit of my memories from that moment and then i'll i'll take the cheese it bowl because god bless me i can talk about the cheese it bowl forever <laughs>
1: Okay, that, that's great. I, I think I'll, I'll leave the, the Cheez-It Bowl uh, <laughs> detail to you to then. Because, yeah, the, uh, the number five seed here is um, one of the key plays in uh, what's mostly known as the 22-inning game. Um, so this is the, um, the... The moment itself is the Cody Jones, Keaton Jones relay... Um, Against um, Sam Houston State uh, to to nail the runner uh, coming home and keep the game alive um, and I guess one one thing that was weird about this game is so I guess it was in the regional um, college World Series regional, and TC was the away team here mm-hmm. uh, so. If th- this would have ended the game, this was this was a walk-off bomb to, to straightaway deep center field, um, runner on first, and uh, ball doesn't make it out of the uh, over the fence. It hits hits off the fence, and Cody Jones catches it perfect off the bounce, hits Keaton Jones right on, and hits it home uh, to the plate right on for for the tag and the out to to save the game. Um, and th- there were there were lots of moments in this game. There were uh, officiating controversies. A lot of um, what's it called? The uh, there
0: was the slide obstruction. Yeah, or, the, the, yeah the illegal what, what, whatever the illegal sli- called, Runner or, interference. Illegal slide. Yeah, and,
1: yeah interference. There and the twenty first inning. Yeah. Um, that uh, there, there's a lot of problems with that. But um, and and this wasn't the game that sent TCU to the Super Regional or anything like that. Because, but, um, having played into the, the wee hours of the morning, um, the, the loser was going to have to play early the next day, um, and then win that game and then win two more games against the winner of this game. So it, it was, it was an absolutely critical game to, to making it to that next step. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those games where probably um, every TCU fan that you talk to say they were there, uh-huh. um, and in reality, it was probably a, a few hundred at the end. I can I could say I was definitely there through the whole thing, the the third round of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and in the twenty first inning stretch, and all of it. Um, this is also and, the the
0: dawn of the woo bird, is it not? That many oh, people will point oh to this. be... So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, so lots of people uh, really excited for that and lots of people <laughs> who, uh, who have some, some strong negative feelings about the woo But yeah, I think people just kind of getting delirious in the middle of the night and, and anything that, that would happen, the, the woos would come out. Um, but, but just one of those uh, kind of very memorable games and goes in the, the pantheon of games that are played for TCU sports. Um, and this was the moment that, that really kept it going.
0: I want to give you a couple stats on this game. So, 22 innings. The final score was three to two. We all know who hit the game-winning hit, right? He played with his mm, he mm-hmm. he played with his ring mm-hmm. when he transferred to A and M and wore a piece of some bone around his neck, right? Boomer White, of course. Um, 13 different pitchers used between the two clubs. 594 pitches thrown between the two ball clubs, and my favorite set of all, in a 22-inning game, no player had more than two hits on either team. Just a crazy, one of those crazy, crazy games. Um, like you said, one of them, just just like, uh, I don't remember what it was that we talked about earlier this week, but that game where, oh, the, the the Baylor TCU 2015 game, everybody says they're there, but in reality, by the end, there was only like eight people in the stands. So, uh, a great memory, but I think we are highly, highly likely To get an upset here because when you talk about the Rose Bowl, obviously a classic game. You talk about the Peach Bowl, obviously important bowl game for TCU. Uh, You can talk about um, all of the important games that the Frogs have been a part of. But when you talk about the best, the most memorable, the most iconic bowl game performance in all of bowl game history, there's only one game that stands above the crowd and it is forever. The 2018 Cheese it Bowl. Just got to let it sit there. Let it marinate. The Cheese it Bowl is the most wonderfully stupid bowl game in the history of bowl games. I will go to my grave believing that. Um, it was the end of a, of a disappointing season for the Frogs, who, again, were racked with injuries. Who dealt with Sean Robinson getting hurt with Mike Collins getting hurt, with Grayson Muhlstein coming in and saving TCU and driving them to bowl eligibility by beating Baylor and Waco, which we'll talk about a little bit later, um, by by upsetting Oklahoma State at home in the final game of the season. It was um, the, the season that, that saw Ben Banigu and LJ Collier carry that defense um, all year long on their way to becoming first and second round picks. But the Cheez-It Bowl usurps all. And every few weeks on Twitter, if you're paying attention, no context college sports will just tweet that, that my favorite stat in all of athletics history number of interceptions seven number of total points six which i think was from the fourth quarter of that game um i went to the It bowl against my better judgment initially um it was very difficult i i was home for christmas i was only home for a few days And when I told my family that I was going to leave for two days to go to something called the Cheez-It Bowl in Arizona that was played in a baseball stadium, as you can imagine, I was met with um, incredulity from all members of my family who did not understand what I was doing. And for the entire first half of that game, uh, sitting next to the other, other reporters, the media row, I just kept thinking, I have made a grave mistake, a very, very grave mistake coming to this game. Um, I went down and I made the best purchase decision of my life. I bought a uh, Cheez-It pullover. I have never regretted it since, but in the moment I thought, this is a big-time waste of money. Uh, and then I, I wandered my way down uh, to the sidelines for the final few minutes of the fourth quarter, having no idea what was going to happen to end this game. It appeared for a moment that TCU was going to win um, on, on a, a – I can't remember if it's an interception return or a kick return. It all runs together. Um, when interception. It was an interception return. That's right got almost all the way uh, into the opposing end zone, um, did not score. And frankly, that was ended up being a good thing because um, a TCU administrator who we will not name because we love him um, (laughs) and we want to stay credentialed as members of this organization, uh, was uh, kind of tripped over the line marker, the, the, the chain or whatever. Um, or just fell as he was looking to find out what was going to happen and could have been flagged for a 15-yard penalty um, for coming onto the field early led to um, one of the greatest press conference moments of my experience when Gary Patterson talked about how he almost lost the game because of an administrator something that he had never experienced before. Um, but ultimately went to overtime. Um, I was at the, the right place at the right time. I was, I was just right directly across from, from where the ball was uh, was placed for the John Song game-winning field goal. And uh, Jonathan Song, the much maligned uh, player during that season, who the oft-injured kicker who had the unfortunate uh, luck of having to replace Jaden Oberkrum, hit probably the biggest game, the biggest cake of his TCU career uh, to send TCU home. And there is nothing like being in the midst of a celebration as Cheez-Its are just being just thrown <laughs> into the air with abandon. Uh, there were Cheez-Its in my hair. Cheez-Its in my bag, Cheez-Its in my sleeves, like, I found Cheez-Its everywhere, uh, later that night, but, um, just the stupidest game in history, that, we remember that for the worst double play call, a double pass in history, we remember that for the, the three snaps of Justin Rogers' career, um, where he, he got hit full speed by a really good Cal linebacker and didn't move an inch, um, it, it was just, it was just the, the most wonderfully stupid game in the history of the planet, and. I will forever look back on it with just a fondness that can only be associated with something so infinitely stupid. Um, So glad I was there. And and to top things off, we get a home and home with Cal here, the first um, of which will be in Berkeley this fall. It also happens to be the first time that I'll get to attend a TCU football game on my birthday. So assuming we've been released from quarantine by September 5th, um, hopefully people will be joining me in uh, Northern California to... To watch the Cow Bears and the uh, TC Horn Frogs renew this storied rivalry, uh, and and have a battle for all of the Cheez Its, Part Two. Yeah,
1: and if you know if we're not out of quarantine yet, we'll just put the put the tape on of the Cheez It Bowl and, and run it back for the the three hundredth time that that we've all watched this. <sighs> it's the greatest game in history, just the greatest game in history.
0: On that note, we're gonna let that linger for just a moment. We're gonna let it age like fine cheese, and we are going to take a quick break. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, we are headed to our six eleven matchup in the TCU Best Moments bracket. We are on the Dixon region. We've got Melissa Sheposter, Anthony North here breaking it down for you guys for the third time in the region number three. It's been a lot of fun uh, talking through some great baseball and basketball and, of course, football moments. We just talked about the Cheez-It Bowl. If you missed that, I highly recommend rewinding it because how much do we how many times can we go how many minutes can we go without thinking about the cheese it bowl? The answer is, of course, not many. Uh, but we're on to the uh the six eleven matchup. Anthony, I'm I'm gonna guess you're gonna wanna talk about Jalen Rayer here a little bit and I would be more than happy to talk about Cameron Norrie if that is the case. If I'm wrong, feel free to swap swap him up. But tell us about which side of the six eleven seating you wanna take
1: no yeah thanks uh, i'll I'll definitely take the the Jaylen Rager uh touchdown versus Baylor so twenty eighteen not not a season full of a lot of highlights uh eh, but here's we've somehow talked about two back to back so um eh, but so this this game obviously any game against baylor uh this this particular season in in waco um the stakes are high just just because of the the fan bases and all of the history, but um, this game did have some importance because both squads were fighting for bowl eligibility, sitting at four wins, I guess, for TCU and and five for the Bears. Uh, so the the loser uh, would be would be eliminated, uh, and the winner alive for for a postseason shot. So. There there were some stakes in in what ended up being a, a pretty low stakes season, um, but this this play was one of those displays of what kind of a dynamite athlete Jalen Rager could be uh, when when given the opportunity. Um, so it's a short bubble pass, Grayson Mulestein uh, as as the quarterback there, um, leading the frogs and and. Rager takes it and, and just dices up the Baylor defense, breaking tackles and just basically making them all look silly, um, attempting to tackle him like, like he's, uh, he's an adult and they're children <laughs> out there. Um, and so it's we don't get uh, all the wonderful Cheez-It Bowl moments with, without this game happening um, in the way that it does and the, the win for the Frogs. And Rager basically did it by himself um, in this game on the offensive side, scoring both the touchdowns. And uh, this one was was his moment to, to shine over the Bears.
0: Yeah, I'll, I hadn't been to Waco to watch a game in person since the game that shall not be named uh, several years prior. And, and so I went with a little apprehension, but... I wanted to to get a chance to be there. It was a morning game. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. I have a lot of former students at Baylor. And so the entire, like, first three quarters of that game, I was being heckled by a large majority of the student section because all of my former students had gotten the students to heckle me as a photographer and I've never seen a photographer heckled before. So it was both, um, really, really annoying and also kind of an honor. So I, I, really did enjoy that game. And another thing that I learned, um, there is one good reason to go to a Baylor football game. Um, and that is they have bluebell ice cream at the press box at halftime. Mm. So, so it was a, overall, I would say it was a, it was a really, really fabulous day. I also saw an ex there and he was rooting for Baylor. So that was kind of a nice moment as well. So, yeah, so really it goes, it goes back to a, uh, to, to, a really nice day for me, a nice memory. So, um, But I get to talk about Cameron Nori. Um, we talked about Sarah Schur and, and TCU Rifle being one of the most dominant programs in, in TCU that, that nobody talks about. Well, the other one that doesn't get enough credit and love and, and we're to bl- is to blame as anybody for that is uh, TCU Men's Tennis. And what Dave Rodidi has done with that program. Is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Cameron Norrie was his first super duper star to come through. Uh, was ranked number one in the country uh, during that season, uh, during the, the 2017 season. Was a unanimous Player of the Year in the Big 12. Was an All-American. Uh, made a made a strong run in the NCAA tournament as well. Um, and in 2017, he, he helped clinch uh, a Big 12 title for the Horn Frogs. One of several that they won over a multi-year stretch, um, and, and helped kind of launch him into a professional uh, career where he has been very, very steadily rising up the rankings and continues to to uh, to work towards being one of the top players in in the world on a, on a professional circuit where he's making lots of money and where every time you turn around, he's talking about TCU and TCU tennis and, and is a really proud Horn Frog um, that has represented his school uh, so, so well, both at his time as a student athlete and then as he's gone on to the professional circuit too. So um, a great moment. It's always going to be hard for more of a niche sport to upset um, one of the, one of the big name sports, and um, I think that any time a TCU football player does something good over Baylor, that's going to definitely put them in the lead um, for that. So it's going to be hard for Cam Nori to to upset Rager there, but I think that he is a uh, a worthy contender to pull off one of the double digit seed upsets in this side of the bracket. Uh, just a superb athlete that that garnered so many accolades both in conference and on the national scale, and helped bring home a lot of hardware for the Horned Frogs. So. Uh, give, give Cam Norrie a little bit of love in your votes if you get the opportunity. Um, we're, we're closing down here in the last couple of seeds. Um, I, I'm going to guess at which one you're going to go with here. I think you're going to try to pull the double-digit upset here, and, and that's totally fine. I'd love to talk about Duma Pia as well. So our 7-10 matchup is Duma um winning a national championship for the triple jump. TCU track and field um, is, is another really solid program. Um, for the TCU athletics department, Dumapaya is one of the superstars of that program. And last spring, won a national championship in the triple jump. And if you haven't seen this moment on Twitter, it's absolutely worth going and looking up. Um, his celebration was just just beautiful. Um, he's a guy that has a chance to to be an Olympian somewhere down the line. Um, obviously, the Olympics this year um, are are being delayed until 2021. Um, So he's got a little bit more time to do some training. But uh, a really great moment, a national championship, that's always going to earn you a seed uh, in in a Frogs Award bracket. And so uh, Duma is our seventh seed. But he's going up against one of the most beloved players in TCU Athletics history. So can do do it and hold on to his favorite status? Or is our number 10 seed going to overcome? What do you think, Anthony?
1: Yeah, I think – 10 seed for this, this play ended up not, not mattering as much as it should have. So I think 10 seed is fair here for, for the, the bane shot, um, the way it, it turned out, but I think, so, um, this is in the, uh, big 12 tournament, uh, last season, uh, 2018 mm-hmm. season, 2019, um, big 12 tournament. Um, Desmond Bain first round and, and I guess TCU again had to play in the, in the first round and didn't get the, the buy into, uh, into that second round. Um, but going up against Oklahoma state had TCU had a, a very strong season, um, but really needed this game to, to keep the, the hopes alive to, to making the NCAA tournament, um, and it looked pretty shaky for most of the game. Um, and TCU came back and had this this shot here um, that not quite a buzzer beater, but the the winning shot to beat Oklahoma State to move on in the Big 12 tournament. And uh, me at the time, I thought that this was the shot that put TCU into the into the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. that would have. Uh, given us a, a an opportunity to to see this team on on that stage again and that the uh, committee the selection committee uh felt otherwise um, which was was unfortunate and has pushed this particular moment down in in our minds and in the rankings um, but you know to desmond bain to to be that superstar to hit this shot um on that stage when when the Frogs needed it most uh, was a huge moment
0: yeah it absolutely was and it should have been the, the shot that sent us the tournament like you said um, but just another in the long legacy of, of big moments for Desmond Bain who uh, has several of them in this bracket and, and deserves every single one of them so uh we're on to our last matchup um I could talk about either of these very, very happily, um, our 8-9 matchup. We have um, the, the Kessler sack against OU in 2005 uh, when the Frogs went up into Norman and, and, and probably won, kind of setting off a chain of events that, that, that brought us to where we are today versus um, one of the most memorable defensive plays um, that gets lost a little bit in the legend of Bram Kohlhausen. Uh, the Denzel Johnson uh, stop, the pass breakup that seals the win, and the Alamo Bowl comeback for the Horned Frogs uh, back in uh, 2015. Anthony, dealer's choice on this one. Which way do you want to go?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll draw the, the Alamo Bowl. I think there's, there's not a whole lot to, to say about this, I guess. There's, there's so many. The Alamo Bowl, this game against uh, Oregon in the Alamo Bowl, has so many moments such an improbable turn of events. Um, and I think there are other plays from this game later on in the tournament. and um, but, but this one was the play that, that ended the game, the actual final play, uh, the, the pass uh, deflection, knockdown. Um, and to, to come back from that massive deficit halftime um, I think you know we could have momented the the shirts we could have uh, yeah to all the, all the Bram moments um, after after such a um, excellent season you end up in the, the Alamo Bowl against the, the Oregon team that was in uh, playoffs the year before and all of that and um, I don't know it's just this this play itself, it doesn't really sum up what happened in that game. So I think it's, it's tough to, yeah. to say, and I think it's going to have a really tough time taking down the uh, OU uh, win in 2005. Um, but just that moment and kind of the celebration of triple overtime, um, outpour of, of emotion um following this play and and really i i I know i can't give the description of of this game justice i think there's an an oral history on frogs of war that you should go find um if you can dig it up that uh, melissa i think you put together so check that out that's going to have the detail a a lot better than than i can give you on this podcast um but just just that that outpour um from this moment was, was pretty fantastic
0: yeah, that uh, thanks for mentioning that oral history. I, I was gonna say that the, this game um, led to it's it's one of my favorite superstition moments I've had as a TCU fan. Uh, but it also gave me the opportunity to write my favorite thing I've ever written on this site, which is the oral history. Um, and one of the people I got to interview for it was Denzel uh, Johnson, and, and he talked about this moment and you know how he read the read the wide receivers, how he saw what was coming, how he knew before the ball was released that he was going to be in the right spot and that that the minute that ball went in the air, he had absolutely no doubt whatsoever that he was going to make the play. And, and it kind of gets overlooked, that, that defensive moment that sealed the game because of everything else that happened that day. But uh, uh, Denzel made kind of the, the game sealer. And, and the things that, that I always love about that is that um, when they, the, the guys that went to go grab the, the cooler and dump the Gatorade, they did it before the, the Oregon was like – it was like third down. And Doug Meacham looked over at those two players and said, go get the Gatorade. And they were like, coach, the game isn't over. And he was like, defense has been bailing us out all half. This game's over. And and Meacham called it. And, so, and Doug is coming back. And I think we need that swagger so bad on the sideline, like makes feelings about what he'll do as a play caller. Don't even care. We need his swagger back. Um, and then my other favorite moment from that game, um, I got to interview Jaden Overcom as well. And he talked about at halftime how the special teamers were completely just checked out. They're like, eh, we're pretty much done. Who, how many field goals are really going to kick? It's 31 nothing. blah, blah, blah. So they were all kind of sitting around talking about the end of their careers, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at halftime. And they saw uh, Patterson come out, and, and just something about his demeanor was kind of like, oh, I don't think this game is over somehow. And they snapped back into it and got ready. And um, obviously, Overcom had some massive, massive moments in that game as well. So um, that leads us to our final moment of the Dixon Bracket. Uh, Going back uh, to 2005, uh, the upset of Oklahoma, ranked number seven in the country at the time by the upstart upstart TCU Horn Frogs. Um, The TCU had been nomadic, uh, bouncing around from conference to conference. I believe they were still in Conference USA, Um, but this this win helped propel them into the Mountain West, which ultimately gave them an opportunity to earn a bid uh, to the Big East and then the Big 12, but um, it it was a a very close game. The Frogs were facing... um, A really really good running back and Adrian Peterson Um, Oklahoma was not that far removed from being national champions Um, it had a a Heisman quarterback winning uh, or Heisman winning quarterback just a couple years prior and Jason White Uh, and Patterson went up and in his philosophy of I will play anybody at any time anywhere went into Norman and did something that very very few non-conference opponents had done against Bob Stoops and won and uh, nobody took TCU seriously coming into that game And they just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and and managed to to get in a position to to go on top. Ty Gunn was awesome. People forget about Ty Gunn as a quarterback. Patterson mentions him all the time, which is hilarious. But he had 226 yards and a touchdown. Robert Merrill had what ultimately became the game-winning touchdown on a two-yard run. But the moment when the game was sealed was with about two minutes to go. Uh, Oklahoma quarterback Paul Thompson was sacked by Jared Kessler. Kessler um, forced a fumble on the play. T C recovered and, and were able to uh, to run out the clock in that moment. And so uh, Jerry Kessler is not a name that, that we often think about when it comes to great T- TC defensive players. He's a really great player in his own right. And uh, he made the the strip sack that sealed the win and, and what at the time was probably the most important victory of the early Gary Patterson era and set the Frogs off on a course um, that has led to many great memories, some of which we're getting a chance to relive here over these few days. So uh, that is it for the Dixon region. Again, it's been a ton of fun um, going through these moments, talking them through with you guys. Hope that we're, uh, we're helping you get an opportunity to, to vote on some of your favorites. Again, you can check those out www.frogsaward.com where Jamie's posting them every day. Um, you can also go to Twitter and vote um, on some of those as well, uh, at, uh, at Frogs of War. Um, but it's a really, really, uh, wide open region, I think here, Anthony, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Uh, you, do you have a favorite, maybe a, a Cinderella out of the group?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's a Cinderella in this one, to be honest. I, I think this is less wide open than, than the others. I think my opinion, Matt Curry is Grand Slam is going to, uh, to walk away with it here. Um, I think it's uh one one of the weaker number twos. You've got LT in here. You've got the twenty-two uh, inning game. The boy can flip. All have have good chances, but a, a grand slam to win a game in the College World Series. Uh, I think that's the winner.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be hard to knock off Curry. Um, I think Ladanian and Tomlinson's 406-yard game has a chance if if we get uh, some of the the more uh, more aged Frog fans like myself uh, to vote, and then I think that a lot of people have a lot of great memories too with the Alamo Bowl, and so I'll be interested to see if uh, Denzel can give him a run. Um, I just I, I don't know if that moment particularly can do it, but I think the Alamo Bowl in general still brings up a lot of good memories, so. So it could be an interesting finish down the stretch. So once again, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Remember, you can listen to us on iTunes, uh, uh, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, It's been great being back on the mic with y'all. Look forward to doing it again. Um, Vote. We're trying to keep you guys uh, busy. We're having a lot of fun. The feedback has been awesome on this project. So we hope that you'll keep reading and keep paying attention. Uh, for Anthony North, I'm Melissa Treebwasser. This has been the Frogs of War podcast. We'll talk to you all soon. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.